Throughout the history of professional wrestling, a chosen few have scaled the peaks of excellence to become legends of sport. Tonight, the greatest of these have converged on Atlanta's Omni for a Legends reunion. And as we honor the legends of the past, new history will be made as the heroes of the present battle for championship gold and personal glory. World Championship Wrestling presents Slamboree 93. A legend. You reunion. are looking live at the Omni in Atlanta as we are having a celebration. It is Slamboree 93, a legend reunion. If I die, all I know is I'm a motherfucking legend. It's too late for my city. I'm the youngest nigga rapping. Oh my God, oh my God. If I die, I'm a legend. Oh my God, oh my God. If I die, I'm a legend. I'm a first. I'm a Welcome once again to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I am intern Alex, joined as always by referee extraordinaire. Patrick Young. The greatest referee in professional wrestling history. Patrick, it's been a slow week in the world of professional wrestling. A little bit. Not as bad as last week, but yes. We're one week removed from Backlash. I said was going to be extremely crappy, but it turned out not to be that bad of a pay-per-view. Oh, I thought it was still a bad pay-per-view. It wasn't the best that they've put on, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. No, it could have been a lot worse. It saw the crowning of a lot of uh, new champions. We We did. We've got a lot of new champions now. We've got, uh, finally, AJ Styles getting a push. Yes, AJ Styles is the Blue Brands champion. AJ Styles wins the WWE World Heavyweight title from Dean Ambrose, whose reign as champion has been really boring. Yes. It was a good, it was a really good match, but... I thought it was fine, but I I thought it was, it wasn't as good as Cena versus Styles at SummerSlam. It wasn't near that good. No, no, it wasn't, but it was a good match, and uh, I think the way they're setting it up is it's going to build for Cena to finally hit that 16-time title win, so, you know. I don't think he'll be doing that on AJ, though. No. That would be a bad idea. I think doing it over with both of them. What do you mean? Well, you know. He's going to win in the three-way? I think that's what they're... Uh, No, that won't be happening. You don't think so? They've been hot-potatoing this belt, these world titles. We've had a title change almost every other pay-per-view. Yes, and it's... So we can't have it change at the very next show. You don't have a credible champion right now in WWE because of that very fact. The next, the next pay-per-view for SmackDown is No Mercy, and that's a month away. We're a week away from Raw's first brand-only pay-per-view, Clash of Champions. I'm so ecstatic to see Clash of Champions making its return. This isn't Clash of the Champions, though, Patrick. It's this close is... enough. It's close enough. For all WCW fans, it makes you get a little bit excited when you think back to what Clash of the Champions was and could be once again. I don't think anyone's excited about this except you. Well, you are the one. I am the only one. We have new WWE SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch defeating the five other members of the Divas roster on SmackDown. Surprisingly, a very entertaining match. I didn't find it. You I didn't, didn't find sorry. it. I don't, I don't like these multi-man matches. I don't. Uh, it shows how weak the roster is. It does. It does. I don't enjoy the uh, the Nikki Bella. Carmella? Carmella, yeah. You don't like Carmella? Uh, it's nothing against her. I just don't like the storyline that they're they're doing with the whole rivalry between the two of them. It's 
It, what are they fighting over? Who's prettier? I mean, seriously? No, they're fighting over uh, Nikki's uh, broken neck or something. I don't know. See? I mean, it makes no sense. And we have new SmackDown tag team champions. Did I call it or what? Did I call it? Finally, Heath Slater's getting a push that he has long deserved in WWE. Now, this ruins Heath Slater's push. His biggest push was not being signed. It was one of the best gimmicks they had ever had. And, and they he, ruined it. He has a t-shirt, finally. I, I got kids. I got kids. I need this job. And I would buy, I'm going to buy one of the t-shirts. Oh, of course, yeah. yes. But no, I'm glad, in all honesty, I'm glad to see Rhino getting some sort of a well-deserved push yet again in WWE. They're uh, just placeholder. Hopefully not. Hopefully they... Until American Alpha or the Usos take the belt. Hopefully not. Uh, now that the Usos a, are bad guys. A lot of people are thinking that as well. Uh, but hopefully not. Hopefully it's going to be more or less. It's uh, They're going to make them kind of more of a credible tag team. That's for wishful thinking maybe, but, you know, it is what it is. But we have a brand new cruiserweight champion. That's right. The cruiserweight classic wrapped up on Wednesday. The end of a 32-man tournament to determine who the best cruiserweight in the world is. And we determined... It was Manic from TNA, TJ Perkins. Pretty much. And uh, Well, they couldn't sign Kota Ibushi or Zack Sabre Jr., so they had to pick a guy that they had actually signed to give the belt to. So they, they've signed TJ Perkins. He's the champ, and he faced another guy that they've signed, Grand Metallic. There you go. That was the finals. TJ Perkins wins, and he will debut on the Raw roster. The Raw Cruiserweight division will debut tomorrow night with... T.J. Perkins carrying in his purple, rounded, odd-looking belt. I love this belt. It's not just a giant W. I'm not a big fan of the purple, but I love this belt. It's okay. I've given up hoping that these belt designs get are ever good. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not going to get better because if Triple H is picking out the belt designs, we are going to have ugly, ugly yes. belts for generations to come. What happened to the good old days of belt designs when they actually meant something? I'm very upset that the cruiserweight division is only going to be on Raw. Raw does not need the cruiserweight division. Uh, it's like I said in the last show, though. I mean, um, I believe Raw is going to have cruiserweights, and I believe SmackDown's going to have hardcore, and we're going to bring back the hardcore title. I don't see that happening. Wishful thinking. I really, I do because you got to have, you can't have one show stand out with an additional title and not have the other. They want the cruiserweights on Raw because Raw is the A show and SmackDown's the B show. It is, and we've tried to change that. We like I work there. They've tried to change that, but SmackDown unfortunately has not done its very best. I think. And now Raw's ratings are suffering as well. They had their lowest rated show since 1996. Yeah. On so, Monday. So, I mean, it's it's kind of slowly dying. What we thought was great to finally see the draft back, the split brand. Um, fans aren't into it. It's just too much. There's too much wrestling to watch. I know you, you don't believe in, in ever having enough wrestling. I don't. I mean... You can ask. You can testify because you come over to my house. You can testify to anybody and everybody. If my TV is on, wrestling's on it. So, But with a pay-per-view coming up on Sunday, Clash of Champions for Raw, they expect you to watch four hours on Sunday, then three hours on Monday night, two hours on Tuesday, 
and they'd like you to watch NXT on Wednesday. So some quick math. And that gives you Thursday night and Friday night to watch nothing but just the network. So, you know. They want you to spend 10 hours watching wrestling a week, basically. I do that in two days sometimes. But a lot of fans aren't like me. Yes. I'd say the vast majority of fans are not like you. For a guy that has seen every professional wrestling thing ever, I can't believe you made me suffer through Slamboree 1993, it, a Legends reunion. It wasn't, Ha ha, the joke's on me. It wasn't that bad. It was a really good show. Oh, no. It was no. a really... Wait till you hear my rating then. This was Patrick's rib. This was Patrick's rib on me for my birthday. He gave me the greatest present of all. A 15-minute time limit draw. Thanks, pal. Nick Bockwinkle. No. And Dory Funk Jr. No. They tore the house down they with, didn't a tear minute, anything down. with a 15-minute draw. All they tore down, they risked tearing my house down because <laughs> I tore my house down in anger for watching what has to be, so far, the worst pay-per-view we've watched as this podcast has rolled on. I enjoyed it. It's I... Slamboree 1993, a Legends reunion. From the Omni. The Omni in Atlanta. In front of 7,008 people. A very small crowd to witness a very bad pay-per-view. See, it was awesome, I thought. The movie guy voiceover mentions honoring the legends, and they show a picture of Superfly Jimmy Snuka, so we're going to honor a murderer. We've got three murderers on this show tonight that I know of. I I think the network version has dubbed over the music to the start of this because they have once we go out to the ring it is dead silent they have all you have is the music no crowd noise i have the the actual vhs put out by wcw they have dubbed over the uh on the network just like they don't want you to know that the first match even happened so uh there are some changes to the show that being the major one well first we go to tony Schiavone and larry zabisco zabisco mentions he is thrilled to see all the legends in the ring like the crusher he's excited to see the crusher i don't know who the crusher crusher you don't know who the crusher is no what is the Crusher? The Crusher is an old school wrestler. Yeah, I figured that. The Crusher is is one of the toughest men in professional wrestling history. Of course, you you like him. You've liked everybody we've ever seen. Big surprise. You had some great matches on this on this pay per view. Oh yeah. Anyway, Tony mentions Jesse Ventura is in the hospital, and I had to look up why he was in the hospital. He had a blood clot. He did. I thought they were just making up a reason why he wasn't there. No, he literally got rushed to the hospital just, I think, the day beforehand. And so they scrambled to find a replacement, and they went with Larry Zabisco. Then we have Max Payne. He's playing the guitar. He he sucks at playing the guitar. I really thought Max Payne was going to wrestle when he was out there, and he was like going to play his, his way. Is Max Payne a wrestler? Max Payne is a professional wrestler. Well, he should not wrestle or play the guitar, because he is terrible. He actually wrestled not only in WCW, but in WWF.
But he, uh, obviously, they didn't want to put him on the card. Then you see all these guys walking out. Yeah, men in Speedos are carrying a throne. A giant throne. And it's it's a covered throne. So you don't know who is you on their shoulders. You have no idea. And who do they reveal, Patrick, but... The one and only, the fabulous Moolah. Who doesn't say anything. She is the queen of Slamboree 93. So, of course, she's got to come out in, in all her glamour. Why was this in? Why was this a part of the show? She was the only female legend that they acknowledged at this uh, at this show that night. So um, I don't know what she did. Truthfully, she might have been like guest timekeeper for the night or something. They basically just brought her out so she could wave. I just wrote down, "What is this? I don't understand what's happening." Eric Bischoff is with Missy Hyatt. She says hi to her Canadian friends. Wonderful. Eric mentions that Sting will be taking on the prisoner. Wow, a prisoner escaped, and he's on this pay-per-view. He's on this pay-per-view. The lights go out. They they went out. On Bischoff and Missy Hyatt before they can finish their promo. But they go ahead and keep going, even though they're standing in the dark. The director sits on them for an ice age before he finally changes cameras. It was just their light. Yeah. It wasn't the light of no, the arena. it wasn't the arena light. It was just their light. Missy Hyatt, I wrote down, it seems like she's had a few Missy of something <laughs> before <laughs> this show started. Missy Hyatt was either high on something or was drunk because Missy Hyatt rambled throughout this entire pay-per-view. I think the Hollywood Blondes are just absolutely the best team of the 90s and I tell you what, if they needed like a, a Hollywood chick to like kind of walk out there and hang out there with them. Easy, you know, Missy, easy. Settle I down, Missy. Settle down. She was giggly. She was just having a great time and saying nothing of any substance. But that's Missy Hyatt. If folks don't know who Missy Hyatt is, look her up. Beautiful Bobby and Chris Benoit yes. are out next. Here's murderer number two. They're out. They're going to be taking on Two Cold Scorpio and WCW Rookie of the Year. Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Later became Buff Daddy. This, this guy's been in a lot of tag teams. Buff has, He cycled through every tag team partner Buff, imaginable. Buff really, before he got his singles push, Buff really did have a lot of tag team partners. My favorite being Vicious and Delicious with Scott Norton. But, you know. Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell, their gimmick is that they gyrate their hips. They dance very badly and wiggle their hips. And their their attire was terrible. It looked like they were wearing candy canes, basically. Yes. It was red and white. Yeah. Yes. And one said Bagwell, and one said Scorpio. Yes, it, it, they were bad. Benoit, his ring attire, not much better. He's wrestling in zebra. Benoit, his attire is not much better. Chris Benoit is going to wrestle in zebra-striped pants. These were ones that he wore um, when he wrestled in Japan under Tiger Mask. So oh, okay, these leftovers. Were actual, these were actually just leftover tights he just happened to have, and I guess he threw on for this occasion. Benoit will start against Scorpio. The action moves very fast. Lots of drop kicks and fast offense from Buff and Scorpio. Beautiful Bobby and Bagwell tag in. Bagwell chucks Bobby over the rope. Um, Patrick, DQ? No. Why? 
because okay the ref didn't see it well this happens all night long where the ref did see it where the ref didn't see it yeah it didn't matter it no didn't one was matter. getting dq'd we for were, that rope we were letting things go today match slows way down because bobby chucks bagwell over the rope behind nick patrick's back see that's the way you're supposed to do it bobby hits a nice scoop slam goes upstairs and hits a top rope knee on the down bagwell benoit tags in Body slams Buff and hits a second rope leg drop for a two count. Uh, beautiful Bobby tags back in. He lands some knees on Bagwell, covers him for two. Benoit's back in now. Benoit back body drops Bagwell, gets a two count. We get a snapmare into what Larry calls a figure four on the head of Marcus Bagwell. Benoit hits a neck breaker for a two count. Then Benoit goes for the flying headbutt and gets kneed in the face by Bagwell. Then Scorpio gets the hot tag. We get a back body drop on Benoit. So Scorpio hits a twisting splash for a two count. Then he climbs back up and hits a 450 type leg drop something, is what I called it. (laughs) And he lands directly, ow, on Benoit's head. (laughs) He smashed his head like a pumpkin being hit with a hammer. And uh, luckily that was the end of the match. Yeah, disgusting. That was that Chris was Benoit's first severe case of head trauma. To our knowledge, possibility. Scorpio gets the win in 9 minutes and 22 seconds. It was a really good match. I enjoyed this match. No, this was Bagwell gets battered for... See, it ran 9.22, so Bagwell got beat up for 5 minutes of it. Well, it Scorpio was, tags in and gets the win. It was a, Yeah, it was a build-up. It was old-school wrestling, hot tag, fired up. Make the comeback. Here we go. Tony and Larry, they talk about Colonel Parker and Van Hammer's feud. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> this is what I'm watching. I'm watching a feud between Colonel Parker, Colonel Parker and Metal Van Hammer. Heavy Metal Van Hammer. Now, Van Hammer had a really long, well-deserved career in WCW. No, it was not well-deserved, and it was not long. I enjoyed Van Hammer's work. Van Hammer comes out. He's heavy metal Van Hammer. You know how he's heavy metal? How is he heavy he metal? He bangs his head. He does the head He does the head, head banging. He's got the long hair. He does his grunge head banging. But he's going against a mystery opponent. Say Van Hammer wins the Royd Monster Award for this evening because he was jacked. He was jacked. He, he looks was like ripped. He looks like a jacked Mr. Perfect. Who is jacked himself. So this is a roid on top of a roid, basically. And his opponent. Yes. Well, then we have Colonel Parker coming out. He's in his Shawn Michaels WrestleMania white suit with a white hat. Parker brings out a gurney. I guess that'll be for Van Hammer. And then he introduces... The one and only. The man who rules the world. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious, who gets a nice response from the crowd. And Sid is a heel. Sid is jacked. Sid's a heel, but he's working the crowd like a face because he's like raising his hands and going, yeah, and just doing face stuff. Yeah, he's jacked. He's jacked. This was a. This uh, is match of the night here because he power bombs Van Hammer and gets to three in 35 seconds. This was a Perfect. Goldberg match if there ever was one. I mean, it was straight up jackknife power bomb. Here we go. One, two, three. <sighs> Now we go back to the rest of the The highlight, the best match, is already over, folks. And now we go to Eric Bischoff with Red Bastine and Bugsy McGraw. Bugsy McGraw, we talked about last time, was in the uh, the very first Hell in a Cell match with uh, Wildfire Tommy Rich in the last Battle of Atlanta. Uh, Red Bastine is a 
tremendous wrestler from the late 50s, mid 60s. And uh, These I, guys suck. <laughs> they put Sid over and they talk about how great he is. And Bugsy says, Eric, hey, you're wearing too much makeup, man. She's got a point there. Yeah, Eric was... Eric looked like he'd been sunbathing for about two weeks straight. And here's the part of the card where you could leave the Omni and go home for the night because come back later. This was a great match. Because we start with the first Legends match of three. You're going to put me through three of these. (laughs) It's a six-man tag. Oh, boy. Dick Murdoch. Dirty Dick Murdoch. Don Don Morocco. And murder number one. Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Taking on Wahoo McDaniels, Blackjack Mulligan, and another good friend of mine, Jumpin' Jim Bronzel. Jumpin' Jim and Superfly, they're going to start the match. Blackjack Mulligan tags in, and then he works the arm of Snuka. Murdoch grabs Mulligan's head and beats on him. He tags in. Anyway, Murdoch, he, he decides he wants to leave. But Wahoo tracks him down and brings him back into the ring. Wahoo and Don Morocco tag in. Wahoo hits multiple body slams on The Rock, Don Morocco. Murdoch tags in and eats some vicious chops from Wahoo. The heels keep Wahoo in the corner and gang up on him. Jumpin' Jim gets a tag and hits Murdoch with a drop kick. Murdoch hits an ugly flying head scissors. This is not very graceful. This was not graceful. This is not a man designed to do that kind of move. The heels take Brunzel into their corner and they beat up on him. Do you see a pattern here? The Rock tags in. He hits a running power slam, followed by some leg drops on Jumpin' Jim. Then Brunzel makes the tag to Wahoo, but Randy Anderson misses it. Murdoch tags back in. Get a swinging neckbreaker for two. Murdoch drives a knee into Brunzel's back from the top rope, covers, and the faces save Jumpin' Jim. Eventually, Superfly tags in. Superfly accidentally hits Morocco. They fight over this, so the heels are fighting amongst themselves. And then Wahoo sneakily rolls up Superfly Jimmy Snuka. But then everyone just starts brawling, and it's a no contest. It Nine minutes, six. A no contest. Uh, I love this match. I enjoyed this match. Great six-man tag. No. The sad part of it is uh, Dirty Dick Murdoch and uh, Blackjack Mulligan and Wahoo McDaniels have all since passed. Okay, so half of the six are dead. Half of the six are dead. Well, that's going to be a theme throughout the night because... And it, but it was, a, it was a good match. It no, was, it was not. I, what is good about this? I, I love watching the old school wrestlers because you go back, you watch this match. A six-man tag match that it had meaning, it had grace, it had style. It turned out to be a great match. You don't have just six random guys from WWE today... That they just throw out there and make work. Yeah, these are six random people. But these six random people, you had somewhat of a storyline throughout their careers with. And these carnies, these carnies, one of them can take the fall. This is ridiculous that these guys are coming in for one match. They're not even signed talent. A win or a loss doesn't do anything to hurt them or help them because they're just stopping by for a paycheck. Who wants to spit? Take the fall. Who wants to spit on somebody's career? Just take the fall. If the booker says take the fall, take the fall. Nine minutes to a, a no contest. Thanks a lot. It's a lot better than 15 years Oh, I know. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, it only gets worse from here. The camera cuts away while they're still brawling. And Missy Hyatt's with the assassin. And Mad Dog Vashon, the assassin, is so fat. 
He can barely fit into his mask. And he apologizes to Dusty Rhodes. Apparently they had some uh, words. They did. Okay, nothing ever come of that? Nothing ever came of that. They had some words. Apparently it was at a luncheon type deal that they did for the uh, pay-per-view the day before. We get Ivan Koloff and Baron Von Rasky are going to be tagging together. Baron Von Rasky, who has since passed away, um, and another good friend of mine there, uh, Ivan Koloff, taking on the one and only... Thunderbolt Patterson, who is another good friend of mine. Thunderbolt is a entertaining wrestler. And if you don't know who Thunderbolt Patterson is, go out there, look it up. Junkyard Dog stole a bunch of his stuff. Thunderbolt was the first. And so, uh, yeah, go check it out. His uh, tag partner supposed to be Bullet Bob Armstrong. However, Bob at this point in time was out hurt with a uh, severe injury. Yeah, Thunderbolt said Bullet Bob had knee surgery. And he doesn't mind kicking the heels' asses all by himself. And he could have. Ivan cuts a promo on how the Armstrongs are nothing but cowards. And then, oh boy, it only gets better from here, Patrick, because Brad Armstrong is to the rescue. He's going to team with Thunderbolt Patterson. He's in street clothes. So he's going to wrestle in blue jeans. The teams, they start off brawling right away. Thunderbolt is going to start the match against Baron Von Rasky. Thunderbolt's movement, I noted, is very entertaining, the way he jives. And see, and, and just something as simple as that was stolen uh, by Junkyard Dog. Uh, Thunderbolt Patterson, I'm, I'm telling you folks, is extremely entertaining and a great wrestler. Uh, if you don't know who he is, go on YouTube, go out there on the internet, look it up. Ivan Koloff and Brad Armstrong tag in, respectively. Then Ivan throws some strikes, and he tags right back out. So now Baron Von Rasky's in there. He slams Armstrong's head on Ivan's chains in the corner. Then he hits him with the claw. But Thunderbolt breaks it up. Thunderbolt hits the heels with rapid fists of fire, they're called. The heels are thrown into each other. Then Thunderbolt hits a headbutt, whips Von Rasky to the ropes, and then sort of stabs him in the neck with his hands for the win in 439. He does a thrust punch into the throat. But it's open-fisted, so it's legal. It's legal, that's right. Unfortunately, we've lost Baron Von Raschke and Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong, out of the whole Armstrong family, uh, my opinion, the best in-ring worker. He couldn't cut a promo if his life depended on it, but Brad Armstrong was one of the best in-ring workers of all time and uh, never fully got what he deserved as a push. But uh, I... I love this match. What's your opinion on this match? It was short enough, so I liked it. 439. Good. Keep it tight, boys. It's time for a flair for the gold. Ric Flair's talk show segment. Tony says Nature Boy is planning to reunite the Four Horsemen. The original Four Horsemen. That's right. Bait and switch. Here we go. Exactly. Rick is out in his tux. He's got a bow tie on. He looks like a million bucks. Someone's mic is open during his promo and says, Hi, John. Hi, John. And as promised, the return of the four horsemen. I don't know what happened. I don't either. I have no clue whatsoever who John is, but yeah, let's go with it. Hi, John, if you're out there. Flair brings out Double A first. Double A tears down Barry Windham for snubbing him. I'm not sure what he means by snubbing him for what. 
he refused to be a part of the uh, Four Horsemen anymore. Oh, I see. Flair mentions, Tully won't be here. Well, if Tully's not there, this is not going to be the reunited Four Horsemen. Tully did a bit of cocaine and uh, unfortunately won't make it here tonight. Ole Anderson is out next. Ole implies that Wyndham took out Tully. So blame, blame Barry Wyndham for Tully not being here. And then Rick introduces the newest horseman, styling and profiling pretty Paul Roma. And he gets booed by the crowd. Paul Roma got booed pretty bad. He doesn't know which camera to look at while he cuts his promo. He just says he's glad to be a four horseman. Yeah. The symbol of excellence. Flair calls out the Hollywood Blondes, and that's the end of the segment. It was short, sweet, to the point. Yeah, so they could have 15 minutes for this next segment. When Johnny Valentine joins Larry and Tony at the announce desk, he's excited because coming up next, Dory Funk Jr., Versus Nick Bockwinkle. NWA versus AWA. This is the last of the Legends matches on this pay-per-view. I enjoyed this match. I love this <sighs> match. No. Great old school wrestling at its best. Gene Kaniski walks out Dory Funk. The announcer mentions his four-and-a-half-year title reign. If you don't know who Gene Kaniski is, Gene Kaniski is the one who beat Luthez for the NWA world title. And uh, Gene Kaniski, which at that point in time beforehand, Luthez was thought that he would always be champion. He would retire as champion. So uh, that's a huge feat in and of itself. Nick Bockwinkle's out next. He's with Vern Gagne, the third murder on this show. You see, when Vern Gagne was in his retirement home, he killed a man. He, he had Alzheimer's, and he, he killed a fellow roommate. I wrote here, thanks a lot, Patrick. Yeah, here we go. We get multiple collar tie-ups. Exciting. Then we get Rest Hold City. If Brock Lesnar is the mayor of Suplex City, these two are in Rest Hold City. They battle to a 15-minute time limit draw. That's the only notes I have here. Thanks a lot, dude. No, this was... You had a lot of hip tosses. You had a lot of suplexes. This no, was old school. There were school. no suplexes. There was, there, was... there was zero. There were zero moves in this match. I enjoyed this match. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. This was old school wrestling at its best. Really? Yes. I don't think so. But the, we're talking about before television, old school wrestling. I never want to You never revisit to. this. <laughs> I want to forget this happened. You're the same person that picks... You picked X7, and yet here we are watching this. So your judgment has really slipped. I enjoyed this pay-per-view. What is it about this match that you liked? I am a huge Nick Bockwinkle fan. Nick Bockwinkle is a brilliant wrestler. Single-handedly kept the AWA going on numerous occasions. Never fully got a push other than that in the AWA. And I'm a Funk family wrestler. I mean, I love Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk. I, I stand behind my statement. This was great old-school wrestling at its best. You didn't have a lot of the high-flying stuff. You didn't have a lot of the... This was two older wrestlers going out there and showing you what true old-school wrestling is all about. But I'm willing to say this is the worst match I've ever seen. I'm really close to say I've seen really bad matches, but really? this is the worst. Really? Hopefully I don't see anything worse than this during the course of this podcast. Well, I promise I will not let you down anymore. Yeah, famous last words. You'll probably pick next year's Legends Reunion just to... Just to make you mad. Just to do it every week. We go to Eric Bischoff. He's with Luthez and Bob Geigel. 
Luthez had a career that spanned over 29 years. Luthez is still arguably the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. Uh, he put pro wrestling on the map. Uh, the fact that Luthez um, was NWA champion about the time when television sets were actually put out put out on sale. Him and Gorgeous George are to thank for why people actually bought TVs and got TVs uh, in almost every household back in the 50s. So, I mean, that, that states, I mean, that, that says something. People know Luthez. I don't think there's anything to add to. Thank goodness, a new match with some good wrestlers. It's ravishing Rick Rude. He's tagging with Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. Rick Rude wants to let all you inner city sweat hogs see what real men look like while they take off their robes. Then we get the natural Dustin Rhodes. He's out with Kinsuki Sasaki. We get Sasaki. He's going to start with Rude. Rude thinks Sasaki is fat and ugly, and he lets him know right away that he's a very ugly man. Gives him a good push. Sasaki works the arm of Rude, who tags Mr. Wonderful in. They continue working the arm, even though they've switched people now. Then he hands the match over to Dustin. Dustin works the arm some more and then lands some knees before tagging Sasaki back in. Dustin Rhodes and Rick Rude tag in. The crowd is hot for them. They start brawling. Rhodes hits a back body drop. This is a feud over the U.S. title. Rhodes throws himself over the top rope while charging at Rude. And no DQ there. Well, he he didn't get thrown. He did it himself. Oh, okay. So, in that aspect. Paul Orndorff beats Rhodes on the barrier and throws him back into the ring with Rick Rude. The heels double-team Dustin in the corner. And then Mr. Wonderful tags in. The crowd chants Paula at Mr. Wonderful. That, ooh, that really burns him, huh? That does. That makes him mad. He hates being called Paula. The heels go back to work on Rhodes in the corner, and Rude tags in. He goes for a pile driver, but can't get him up. Then Rhodes reverses it into a tombstone on Rick Rude for a two count. Suzaki tags in and hits a clothesline on Rude from the second rope, followed by an inverted atomic drop. Suzaki... Suzaki hits multiple clothesline and then press slams Rick Rude, this little man, Suzaki. Press slams Rick Rude. He doesn't do it very well, but he does accomplish it. Suzaki tries something off the top rope, but Mr. Wonderful just shoves him off. We get the Rude Awakening and the win for the heels in 9 minutes and 25 seconds. This was a fine match. This was a good match. Uh, anything that the natural Dustin Rhodes is in, I enjoy. Of course, yes. But then we go straight to the WCW Hall of Fame ceremony. Larry and Tony toss to Gordon Soley, who introduces the WCW Hall of Fame class of 1993. But first, who doesn't love reading a list of dead wrestlers? Since 93 and now, a huge list uh, that has gotten longer of le- of uh, legends that have passed. And uh, But, you know, I enjoy, I, I think it's proper and fitting to to pay homage to those that we've lost uh, that paved the way for wrestling to be what it is today and for what I am allowed to be able to get in the ring and do even as a referee. So, But uh, your class of 1993 WCW Hall of Fame is Luthez, Vern Gagne, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wrestling number two, and Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham is the one who was the promoter slash wrestler for Florida Championship Wrestling. Uh, Vern Gagne owned AWA. Lou Thez, literally the Babe Ruth of 
professional wrestling. And Mr. Wrestling number two, who doesn't get a lot of credit. It's a gimmick. Everybody is Mr. Wrestling too. No. Yes. You had Mr. Everybody. Wrestling number one. It's Mr. like Doink the Clown. Two. No. Everybody you had, uh, you is had Mr. Mr. Wrestling, wrestling number two. Three. No. He's the commentator on Ring of Honor right now, Mr. Wrestling two. Is he really? I doubt that. Not, yeah, the, it was, not uh, the original. I know not the original, but it's just a gimmick. But all right, so now if you, I in, if I put Doink in the Hall of Fame, it's just a gimmick. Anybody can be Doink. Yeah, but if you say Doink the Clown, I mean, there's only two or three people that you can actually verify that is Doink. I can t- say anybody who's Mr. Wrestling too, right? No, Carney. Yeah, I think there's two that you can actually verify. By the way, they mentioned that the WCW Hall of Fame is in the CNN Center. I don't think it's there. I don't think it was ever there. It wasn't when we've been. Yeah, I don't think it ever got put anywhere and now it's definitely not there because wcw is not there anymore missy hyatt is with someone called mr west coast who was who was she with here mr west coast i i don't know this man all right i'm gonna skip that oh well missy hyatt's with somebody and he says pro wrestling is the greatest and wcw is the only way to spell wrestling no it's not you can spell wrestling you can't spell it with wcw you can use the w can't use the C. You can use one W yeah. of WCW to help spell wrestling. The other guy hands her a monocle, and she tries a British accent. It's not very good. No. This is, this. it's Missy Hyatt, folks. Just take what you get and go with it. Then out next, we have the man called Sting. The crowd goes wild. Finally, there's a star on the card. The crowd actually knows who this person is. Then Nails. Or The Prisoner, as WCW had to call him. WCW had to call him The Prisoner. This was bad. As he walks out, the crowd chants Boss Man at him, because that was his big feud in the WWF, and he's still carrying the Boss Man's nightstick. He is. He He, kept the nightstick. He never gave it back. They mentioned that he beat up Scott Norton yesterday. Well, that wasn't very nice. So The Prisoner starts choking Sting in the corner. He hits a body slam for a two-count. The nails throws Sting over the ropes to the outside and starts choking Sting with cables. Hey, ref, what's going on, buddy? DQ. Nick DQ Pac- number one. Nick Patrick is being very, very lenient here. They get back into the ring. We get a clothesline and a back body drop from Sting. Then a stinger splash for a two count. Then we get a body slam into a leaping elbow drop, which Sting misses. Then Sting hits a flying clothesline for the three in five minutes and 16 seconds. Now this was crap. This match was terrible. This was fine. This match was terrible. It was exciting. Because Sting was in it. Just because Sting was in it made it exciting? Having the crowd into a match because their hero was out there. Oh, I agree. I'm a huge Sting fan. And it's only 5-16. This took a third of the time as you're two old guys in there rolling around with each other. But we go to a cage match next. Yeah, the ring crew builds the cage while Tony and Larry are talking. Eric is with the Crusher. He cuts a promo on Ox Baker, who's standing right next to him. Then we get the Hollywood Blondes. They're going to be defending the tag team titles against Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat, who are dressed as the Dos Hombres. Not the Dos Hombres. Yes. The Dos Hombres. Well, they had to go with this gimmick because Shane Douglas is not really Shane Douglas in this match. Really? It is Tom Zink. It is Tom Zink. So they had them put on these masks and be to the be Dos Hombres to, to be, be able to, yeah, have the match. Be able to hide it, okay. Bait and switch, man. Bait you, and you switch. You see Ricky Steamboat's mask get pulled, but 
get pulled off, but you didn't. Okay. Yeah, he pulls it off himself. Yeah. Funny when the match starts, a guy ringside, Patrick in the crowd, a big mark, is screaming, Pillman, you suck! A young Patrick Young in the audience there. Still real to him, damn it. Still real to me, damn it. By the way, they're in a cage, Patrick, so why are they using tag team rules? Why do they bother tagging? They're in a cage. To tell you the truth, I don't know. It was really weird how they had to wedge in between the cage and the... I don't know. I agree. I agree. It's a... It would have been a much better if match. It's, if it's a... It should have just been a two-on-two... Texas on two, Tornado. Texas Tornado cage match. I agree. We only know it's Steamboat starting the match because he lays some chops in, so... Oh, he's chopping. Oh, it must be Ricky Steamboat. Two men in the crowd watched the match. Who were those people? Did they ever... I don't think they turned into being anything. Okay, that was... They just kept... Cutting to them. (laughs) They kept cutting to them with cameras. I don't know why. We get Austin and Flying Brian. I I didn't have a lot of notes on this match other than... Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brian Pillman spend most of the match just super selling for the Dos Hombres. They get thrown into the cage. They're getting chopped. They're doing spins from clotheslines. They are just selling everything that Steamboat and Tom Zink are giving them. Finally, the big spot of the match, Steamboat climbs to the top. By the way, you've got your boy, your murderer guy there, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, is in the building. Yes. This should have been his spot. This should have been his spot. Steamboat climbs to the top of the cage. Rips his mask off. Rips his mask off. Steamboat hits a flying crossbody on the Hollywood Blondes from the top of the cage. Only gets a two count. That should have been a three. I, w- I would have called that right there. Well, referee Patrick Young, you botched the ring bell because they did kick out at two. It was clear. They kicked out at two, but... But the ring bell rang anyway. It rang anyway. But that's not the finish. The ref let it go, even though the bell rung. I think we need to restart the match. I think we do, too. Austin hits a stun gun on Tom Zink, or Shane Douglas, in quotation marks, and he gets the three count in 16 minutes and eight seconds. What'd you think? I love this match. It was fine. I don't think it had any reason to be in the cage other than to have that big spot at the end, but they didn't know and bladed, so there's not... I love the Hollywood Blondes. Uh, Austin and Pillman, great tag team. Stu Hart, Mr. Wrestling, and Dusty Rhodes are with Eric Bischoff. Up next, we have the NWA Championship match. The big gold belt. Not the WCW title, though. No. They're still split. Time, at this point in time, they're still split. So this is Arn Anderson versus Barry Windham. Grudge match. If you want to get into the wrestling business and be a professional wrestler, watch this match. Arn starts out with a belly-to-belly for a two-count. Arn keeps telling Barry he's this close. He's this close, pal. We get a back body drop for a two-count, a DDT for a two-count. Then they battle out on the aisle for a minute. Wyndham hits a clothesline on Arn, who was just coming off the middle rope. Then we get a DDT on Arn Anderson from Barry Wyndham, followed by an elbow and a cover for a two-count. Arn flips Barry over the ropes. Again, not DQ'd. No, this is NWA and over the top rope, and the NWA is not a DQ. That's only That's WCW. what they explained, but they're wrong. Anyway. Arn batters Barry Windham on the railing outside. Barry Windham takes this opportunity to blade from the rail assault. Then when they get into the ring, Arn hits him with a small package for a two count. We get a snapmare 
onto Wyndham, and Anderson works the cut on Wyndham's head. He starts opening it up a bit. We get knees to the throat, and then Anderson climbs to the top rope, but Barry Wyndham drop kicks him off the turnbuckle to the floor below. Big bump there. Arn sells his knee, and then Barry Wyndham hits a snap suplex on Arn on the floor mats outside. Barry Wyndham clotheslines Arn for from the top rope. Arn tries for a vertical suplex, but Wyndham reverses it into one of his own for a two count. Arn hits the Arn spine buster, which gets a huge reaction. But Wyndham, he just rolls outside. He did. Ring awareness, Patrick. Wyndham grabs the big gold belt and he's going to go home. He's had enough. He can't beat Arn Anderson. So he grabs a belt and he starts walking out very slowly. Arn, he's thinking. He's a thinking man. He knocks down the ref so that Wyndham won't get counted out. Then he goes and gets him, brings him back into the ring. He throws Barry Wyndham into the ring, hits him with a lot of strikes on that injured head. But then Barry Wyndham grabs Big Goldie again, hits Arn with a belt shot, and Barry Wyndham wins the match in 10 minutes and 55 seconds. I love this match. This was a very good... This should have gone on last. This should have gone on last. I agree. And I said it before we did uh, commentary on this match, play-by-play, and here's why. If you want to get in this business, this match had everything. It had two guys going in there and giving it their all. It had blood. It showed you what aggression. It showed you how to work the crowd. This is a sit-down, analyze match if you're wanting to get into the business and be a professional wrestler because these two these two told a story in that ring unlike most wrestlers could ever do. I think it's fine, except it's a heel heel matchup. Barry, Barry Wyndham was a heel. Barry Wyndham was baby because well, he walked he walked out and quit the uh, Four Horsemen, which turned him baby. But he walked he walked out and tried to quit the match. That's not something John Cena would never grab the belt and go home. This is NWA. This is different. This isn't this isn't baby boy PG era. This is this. No, is, the good guy would never. That's not how a good guy acts in any situation. If you lose the match, you lose the match, but you never quit. And then you cheat, so he's supposed to be the good guy, and he's decking Arn Anderson with the belt to win. You gotta do what you gotta do to win. That's what a heel would say, yes. And the crowd went nuts over it, too. He shouldn't have done that. At this point in time, it would be just like John... Psychology. At this point in time, it would be just like John Cena taking a steel chair and whacking somebody over the head with it. No, that would turn him into a bad guy. The, the fans would go nuts over it. They would love it. They would love it, but it would make him a bad guy. It would be just like WrestleMania 17 all over again. You're going to think, oh, he's turning heel, but truthfully it's not because you can't turn somebody heel like that. Yeah. Not Barry Windham turned into a bad guy not tonight. Not when they're that over. Psychology. That's all I'm saying. I agree. I agree. I see your point. And both of them fought like heels because Arn's bumping the ref. I see your point. Well, Arn is. Arn was hell his entire career. Yeah. A guy looks like that has to be. Yeah. Both of these men, very ugly. They can't be baby faces. And I, I thought it was unfortunate that Arn didn't win the belt here. I agree. Especially because it's not even the top prize. He can't even have the B the B belt. No, you know? I agree. I Unfortunately, Arn Anderson never. This was the closest he got to actually winning the world heavyweight title. And, uh,. I agree. I really was kind of hoping, you know, Arn would have won. Up next, we have the WCW heavyweight title. It's British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith taking on Big Van Vader. 
We get them both in the ring. Davey, how does he do? Well, he no-sells Vader's striking clotheslines. I wrote, give me a break. Yeah. You don't want Davey Boy Smith to no-sell the biggest guy in the company. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest size-wise guy. That but, would be like sending in Davey Boy Smith with The Undertaker and have him no-sell The Undertaker striking. Yeah, this was uh, this turned into being, if you watch closely, it, it, it was noticed by Vader as well. And Vader laid some pretty stiff shots in on him. Yeah, he broke his nose at one to point. To be like, hey, dude, you need to calm down and you need to remember we're both in here to do, do one job. So Now, he won't sell Vader striking, but when he's outside one time, Harley Race hits him and he sells that. Well, that's Harley Race for you, though. So Vader tries to splash Davey on the railing, but he moves out of the way and Vader somersaults over the railing. And Davey Boy deadlifts him back over the railing and slams him onto the mat outside. Davey Boy hits a delayed vertical suplex on Vader in the ring. Beautiful. He had Vader posted up for a few minutes, seemed he like. Did. I said, Davey, oh boy, he's got to be tired by now. He is all that extra weight he's carrying, all those, all those veins popping out. He's getting tired already. He hits a power slam on Vader, who was diving from the top rope. He caught him in midair and hit a power slam on him. Then he sends him over the top rope again, Patrick. Uh, that's DQ. And he gets no DQ for that. That's DQ. After, oh, okay. This is WCW rules. That's DQ. The crowd to date this pay-per-view is going, whoop, there it is, when Davey's winning the match because he's a dog and he, I guess, woofs. So it's... And it's, and it, it's 93 also. I mean... Bulldog tries a crucifix on Vader, but Vader just drops him. Vader goes up for the Vader bomb. Bulldog kicks out at two. Oh, no. Not looking good for Vader here. Vader goes back upstairs and hits a chest bump off the second rope, and this is where Davey gets a nosebleed from it because he just smashes into Vader's chest here. Vader puts Davey on the top rope. He tries a superplex, but the Bulldog just throws him off and then hits a half elbow, half headbutt thing. He, Vader was down, and Bulldog, when he jumped off the rope, he... Didn't know what he was going to do, no, so it looked just, bad. He just kind of went with it, so, yeah. Bulldog hits a slam for a two-count, just a body slam. Vader hits a huge splash to a downed Bulldog from the top rope. And then Vader low-blows the British Bulldog a little bit later in the match and throws him to Harley Race outside. Smith then powers Vader up into an electric chair. This guy is lifting a ton of mass tonight. He, uh, he hits the electric chair... Then we get a running power slam on Vader, a cover, and Harley Race breaks up the count. And then Vader grabs a chair and hits Bulldog with it for a DQ win for the British Bulldog in 16 minutes, 16 seconds. But under DQ rules, Vader still keeps the title. Of course. I think that was the only way to do this match for an ending. Um, you had to keep the title on Vader because uh, that, that was the WCW's boy. At this point in time, that was the guy. That was your top heel. You couldn't end that ride just yet. Vader's not done with Davey. He wants to beat him up some more. And my hero, Sting, comes in and saves the British Bulldog, who he's known for all of five minutes. He's there to save. See, that's what a face does. A face runs down there and helps. I don't see Barry Windham running down to help. Well, Champion versus yeah. champion. Barry Windham and Vader. Why didn't that happen? Book it. I would. 
So what did you think of this match? Uh, it was a good match. Um, it wasn't as good as Arn Anderson no, Barry Wyndham. It was not as good as Arn and, and Wyndham, but it was a good match. Uh, there was some points and times in which British Bulldog wasn't selling, and Vader reminded him of that. And uh, but this was just this match was all over the place. There wasn't a key point here or there kind of situ- uh, kind of situation or scenario. It was just kind of everywhere so um it's just like every other british bulldog title match yeah, he ever had yeah and why couldn't he ever be the top guy patrick i don't think davy could wrestle a good enough match to stay at the top well he had no mic skills either so. davy you can fix that by giving him a uh manager a but manager. a face wouldn't have a man davy can't have a good match unless he's in there with a good wrestler yeah I mean, that's Davy couldn't carry, you know, when you think of matches that Davy Boy Smith was in, you think of Bret Hart, you think of Shawn Michaels. You th- I mean, you don't think of matches like this right here because Davy Boy couldn't have a good match unless he was in there with better. Somebody's got to drag it out of him. Yeah, that's it. Just reminds me of yeah every every British Bulldog match yeah I ever watched that was for the belt. So that's why you never saw Davy get any type of a uh, a major run with a major. Title. He was never going to be the top guy. No, and for quite a bit of his career, he was mid card and uh, a lot of problems with drugs too. Yeah, so. yeah, held back by his his own misfortune. So what did you think of this card overall? I already know what you think I of it love overall. This. I would, uh, if we're going on our scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, I'm going to say uh, Hulk Hogan. Wow. What about it do you like so much? What, at this point in time, old school guys and the new generation, the new wrestlers of 93, culminate together. I still think that that should be done even today. You have guys that can still get in there and go somewhat that once once a year we need to see, you know, these guys. That goes back to what I was saying about seeing just the gimmick battle royal. You have some guys out there that can still go. You need to culminate that in between, hey, it gives excitement to your locker room of hey, here's these you know here's these legends coming in working a show I'm going to be a part of, as well as it drags out better, uh, better matches out of these you know legends that are saying listen you know this might be my last one I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it everything I got. Well, and, the one uh, thing I will say at least it gives them a payday. It's a lot of these guys don't have any money. It does, and that's what I'm saying. Unfortunately. In the wrestling business, once you are considered a legend, more or less, and this is changing. This it didn't used to be. It, this is what it. It's not like this now, as bad as it was. But once you're considered a legend, you're just a nobody. You're just thrown to the side. You did your deal. That's it. Now WWE is changing that. Now WWE is is giving legends contracts. Is giving, you know, but they're not giving them to enough people. It's not enough. It's yeah. not enough. 
It'll never be enough. You need to have – you have some legends out there that are really hurting that could use some help that deserve for what they gave of their bodies and lives uh, to entertain you and to be a part of WWE or any other wrestling organization. Um, they they need to be compensated for somewhat. Uh, I did not enjoy this pay per view. Uh, the nostalgia, uh, the gimmick battle royal is something I do enjoy because those are colorful characters. Those are WWF cartoon character wrestlers. Right. The way these wrestlers are presented as being legitimate these sport are, these, people. Basically, these are legitimate badasses. I would never want to step into a ring, into a bar, into a back alley with Dick Murdoch because I know I'm not walking out of that. Well, if you, yeah, especially because it would be a zombie, Dick Murdoch uh, today. You know what I'm saying, though. I think it was a good idea, but it, it, the presentation of it wasn't done well. Uh, the guys weren't really allowed to say, like, the Hall of Fame induction. Good idea. They weren't able to give speeches. Gordon Sully just hands them a plaque and says, there you go, have a great time. Yeah. Uh, so that could have been done better. I think that those interview segments, they're all just garbage because they're not given direction. If you have somebody like Luthez or Red Bastine or, you know, guys who made – wrestling what it is and they're at your event i'm going to say hey let's try to get this out of you hey let's try to get that out of you i'm not just going to let them get on there and just ramble on and you know so i agree with you 100 percent on that. they just needed better direction yes. i think that this had potential like i said the gimmick battle royal is something i did enjoy because it's just colorful characters it's right. quick the match was the gimmick battle royal you could watch Five times in the span of what it took us to watch the one Nick Bockwinkle match. So, I mean, sorry. I just... No, I, I, I understand exactly where you come from. And believe it or not, there's a lot of fans that feel the same way. At the end of the day, it has to be entertaining. Yes. And those, are just not, those were just not entertaining matches for me. If I was going to suggest to somebody what I would watch from this pay-per-view, the cage match, and I'd watch the Arn Anderson match. I'd watch yeah. two matches. On the entire card. So, on a scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, I'm going to give this one a Dwayne Gill, a Gilberg. You're giving it a... Wow. Like, yeah. We're talking not even five foot. So, you're giving yeah. it a... Wow. I would probably give it, yeah, around a... Well, the top of the scale is like nearly eight feet tall. Right. So, this is uh, middle of the road. So, okay. Well, this is a little less than middle of the road. A little less than middle. Okay. Or maybe a James Ellsworth, the greatest jobber on yeah. television right now. Yeah. I would give it a James Ellsworth. Shout out to James. Oh, yeah. He's doing had a, it. Had a, he was on uh, on SmackDown. And The Miz broke the rules, Patrick. The Miz broke the rules. I yeah. mean, the contract was signed that James Ellsworth would be the tag team partner. Hey, you, in all honesty, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about that for a second. I love the fact that WWE is watching what people do on Facebook and on Twitter because that is – the fans have made James L. work. Well, as his a, original – As a throw in there just to get thrown around by – Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Get beat up by the It was a one-time deal. 
It was a, here you go. The fans have gave have spoken and gave him a legitimacy of, hey, here's what WWE needs to pay attention to. Because this guy... The guy gave a great promo before the Braun Strowman match. He does. Any man with two hands, Patrick. Any man with two hands. Has a fighting chance. Exactly. And uh, I'm good friends with with him. And uh, and he's... I, I really wish him best in his career because... He is finally getting a chance. And this is a guy that you look at and you're like, there ain't no way in hell WWE's going to touch him. And that's what's awesome about it is that it is so I, he's the next Mick Foley. I don't think it'll be, I don't, I don't think he'll reach that level. It but. won't go that far, maybe. But, uh, but no, I mean, he is, he's the next, he is a beloved wrestler that you thought never would make it, but is getting his chance, getting his opportunity. And I love what WWE's doing with him by just spotlighting him. If you're going to have jobbers on the roster, why does it have to be someone like Jack Swagger when you could just have James Ellsworth and actually be entertaining and lose in spectacular fashion instead right. of just going out there to lose? You I know? agree. So I, I love James Ellsworth. He's in the next Legends reunion, uh, WWE does. Hopefully they'll bring this back one day. James Ellsworth will be standing there accepting the plaque to go into the WCW Hall of Fame. I don't think it'll work like that. I don't think it'll work like that either. Well, Patrick, you had the pick this week, and you tortured me. You tortured me with Slambury 1993, a Legends reunion. But I'm going to go easy on you this week. Since we are approaching Clash of Champions, the Raw-branded pay-per-view, we will go back and revisit a real Clash of the Champions, Clash of the Champions 20, the 20th anniversary, which took place on September 2nd, 1992. Oh, so this is a good follow-up to actually our War Games episode. So if you want to listen to them in different orders, this will probably go well with that. September 2nd, 1992. The headlining matches, Rick Rude, Jake the Snake Roberts, Super Invader, the return of Super Invader, Big Van Vader, and they will be taking on Sting, Nikita Koloff, and the Steiner Brothers in the main event of Clash of the Champions 20, which took place 24 years ago before the first Clash of Champions happening on Sunday. Yes. So I'm just going to confuse everybody. You're, you're, you're do, you, now you're just messing with everybody's head. So that concludes yet another exciting edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And my closing line is a closed line. Yeah, bingo, bango. Have a great time all the time. I'm standing here with James Ellsworth. And James, no offense, but... What in God's name are you thinking, stepping into the ring with a monster like Braun Strowman? What am I thinking? Having a match on Raw is a dream come true for me. I didn't know it was going to be against Braun Strowman, so yes, I'm nervous. Yes, I'm scared. But if I could somehow, some way, pull off the upset, because I truly believe any man with two hands has a fighting chance, I can only imagine what that may do for my career. Well, hopefully you still have a career after tonight's match, but uh, good luck, man.